This is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary. I am a very nostalgic person. And one of my favorite memories from growing up is staying over with my grandmother in the summer. Grandmother and my grandfather used to have to do that just because of the way my parents worked. And so what we would do is we would get in the car. We would drive to the local blockbuster to pick out movies. And we'd pick out movies for the entire weekend. Or sometimes just for that night. And we would either, we would have two options. If we went early enough, we would pick out a movie to watch over dinner. And my grandmother and my grandfather would join in. But more often, we would pick out movies that we would watch after he went to bed. He was a strict man on a strict routine, rest his soul. And he went to bed every night, nine o'clock sharp, sometimes even earlier if he was tired. So we would send him into bed. And then my grandmother would do her evening routine, get relaxed, get into her pajamas. And we would pull out the ice cream that we picked up on the way home from Blockbuster at Dairy Queen. We would pull that out, pop in the movie and eat our ice cream and watch our movie. And there are almost no blockbusters left in the entire world. This generation is growing up with the streaming, the ability to click and rent a movie or click and watch a movie that's available on a streaming service. Hopefully they're still eating ice cream from Dairy Queen. But it's a bygone era, and I never thought at 27 years old I'd be saying something is a bygone era, but it truly was the experience. You'd walk into the blockbuster and you'd smell the popcorn and you'd smell the candy and you'd just, you'd, you'd go look and there would be people there to talk to say, you know what, I want a thriller where I'm going to be surprised at the very end or we want an animated family comedy that even though we're older, we're still going to laugh at. And the store folks there knew exactly what you wanted. That is the case of one woman. I call her the steward of nostalgia. Really, she is. Uh, she is the matron of nostalgia. I forget what I called her in the interview, but I know she is the queen of Blockbuster. And she is the manager of the last Blockbuster on Earth in Bend, Oregon. And she is the subject of a very fascinating documentary that's out now on Netflix, ironically, a, a streaming service, called The Last Blockbuster. And as much as it chronicles the store becoming the very last blockbuster on Earth, the very last license holder on Earth. It is also the story of, of Sandy Harding, a wife and mother who knits caps for the blockbuster diehards that order on her website. And I have to say, I have to place an order because now that I interviewed her, I have to place an order for one of those knit caps for this coming winter. There's also T-shirts uh, on the website, which we will link to in the show notes. It was so cool talking to her because she gets it. She gets it. I mean, our generation is called digital native because we have the smartphones and we have Netflix and smart TVs and Hulu and Prime and Apple TV. But we also, we also, our formative years were spent with more physical media than not. We didn't get the smartphones till we were in our teenage years. 
And for elder millennials, it was late teenage years and their 20s. For somebody like me, I was not. I think I was, gosh, how old was I when I got my first smartphone? Probably 16, 16, 17. My senior year, probably 17 or 18 years old, my senior year of high school. Because all through high school, I remember having a Motorola Razor. You know, and that that was the last physical phone, and it like pushed up. You had the you had the numbers where you would you could dial the numbers, and then it would push up to become a thumb keypad. Last physical phone I actually ever ever owned, and then it became became a smartphone uh, ever since. And it really is a bygone era that that feels like another lifetime ago because it was our childhood. And she understands that, and she bridges that gap. She has kids that come in fascinated with the relic of history, people my age want to relive a little bit of their childhood and people a little older who, for whom Blockbuster was also a part of their teenage years in a big way, going there with friends, renting movies on Friday nights. And as much as we talk about the movie, we also talk about her experience maintaining the store. Now, one of the big plot points with the last Blockbuster is that Dish Network acquired the rights to the name Blockbuster and shut down all the other stores, but Bend, Oregon, is notoriously a movie town, so they left it alone. And it became an international media sensation. We're talking all the daytime TV shows, all the international talk shows. It became the last blockbuster, and the whole world knew about it. So now Dish is in the position that they renew the license without argument, because they know there would be riots if they did. In the movie, they talk about the final renewal. Well, obviously we know it wasn't so final. So here now to tell us about managing the very last blockbuster in existence and whether or not it will ever be, it will ever not be a blockbuster is the matron of nostalgia, Sandy Harding. Sandy Harding, the manager and all-around matron of the last blockbuster in existence. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Um, I'm a little tired, a little sore. It's been a long week of lots of online orders and and, uh, taking selfies and answering phones. Yeah, I bet those uh, knitted crocheted hats orders are coming in faster than you can uh, (laughs) needle them out. Oh, you know what's funny is that um, my son, Ryan, who is in the movie, too, he actually manages the uh, website for us. He used to work in the store and then, you know, has um, everything progressed. We needed somebody who actually um, understood most of that stuff, which is not me. Um, And so he got volunteered to run the website and he was monitoring the beanie sales. And he called me and he's like, well, I've got about 200. And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's fine. I can do 200. It'll take me you know, a few weeks, but I can get that done. Within 24 hours, it was 627, and I about had kittens. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have no idea how long this is going to take me to make all those beanies, but hopefully everyone will be nice and patient because um, I can usually do maybe 20 to 30 a week if I really push it, um, but we have a lot of online orders right now we're working pretty hard on, too, so I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have no idea how long this is going to take, so... If you've got a beanie on order, please realize it's going to take me a little while. I love it, though. I love the spirit. I love that you you love what you do. You love Blockbuster. It's not just a job for you. Uh, what was it like when you were hired there? I know Blockbuster, 
it was still a, a, a vibrant chain. When did you fall in love with it? You know, it's funny. Uh, my husband actually worked at a, a blockbuster store when we were first married um, in another town here in Oregon. And he actually grew up, you know, watching movies and going to video stores, just like I did. My aunt had a video store when I was a kid. And so I've always loved movies, and so has he. And it was pretty common for us on date night to be going to a movie like everybody else. And anyway, I was looking for a part-time job to get the heck out of the house, away from our three little boys, have some, you know, adult conversation a couple of times a week. And my friend worked for Ken and Debbie at Blockbuster. And so I went in and said, hey, do you have anything to keep me busy? And she's like, well, we're actually getting ready to open up a new store, and we need a manager. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I had worked um, for another company for 10 years prior to that as a manager and was kind of, you know, looking forward to my summer without working full time. And, and I got sucked back in. But Ken and Debbie are wonderful people. And it didn't take me very long. I was probably there maybe a month before. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be here for a while because these guys are great to work for. I love that. And I think we see Ken in the movie The Last Blockbuster, which is now on Netflix. Now that project started when the Alaska cluster was still was still a part of the of the of the available blockbusters in the country. How did the documentarians approach you and what led you and the store to decide to take part in the film? Well, that one's on Ken too. Um, so yeah, the the Alaska stores are still open. There were still some stores in Texas, and we had um, two locations here in Central Oregon. And I think there was still one in Portland when that happened, too. So, I mean, there was there was quite a few stores. Left. I think there was like a dozen maybe stores when Taylor first started this. Um, but Ken actually called me and said, hey, there's a kid that wants to do this. And everybody's a kid under the age of 30, by the way, <laughs> even though I know Taylor's a little over 30. But he's like, there's this kid who wants to do um, a movie about Blockbuster, and I'm not available, so you need to go in an interview with him. And... At that time, I had not done a lot of interviews. I had not talked to people. I had never been on camera before. And I was like, seriously, kid? I'm like, you're going to give me a, you know, a panic attack here. And uh, so I went in, and, and that interview is actually in the movie. It's, I'm actually sitting in a chair, and my hair is, like, super short. And um, Taylor was so wonderful, and he knew I was incredibly nervous. And he talked me through it, and it was amazing. Once I got to talking about movies and how much I loved the store, it was it just came so natural. It was just so easy for me to talk about it. And uh, so anyway, that was kind of my, the beginning of the adventure. And, and then he kind of backed off a little bit for a little while. And then all of a sudden we became the last one in America. And I remember Taylor walked in the door and he's like, Hey, remember me? I'm the one that scared the heck out of you kind of a thing. And, and I was like, I remember. And then he was like, I'd love to finish this project. And so that's kind of how um, we got to kind of finish up the movie. And then it suddenly became about us. And about you know that it being the last one instead of just a documentary about Blockbuster. So um, it's definitely been a lot of changes and a, a fun adventure. Were you surprised that it really followed your journey? That he really did hone in on you as the main character? <laughs> um, yes. And you know what's funny is that he kept telling me um, towards the end, you know, the let me last year that he was working on it. Um, Oh, you're the star of the movie. Oh, you're you're great. You're going to be awesome in this movie. And he never really came right out and said, this movie is about you. <laughs> and then um, I'm kind of glad he didn't because I probably would have been like, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm out. I'm not going to be a part of this. But I remember when he told me, I need to come in 
and film you getting ready for work. And I'm like, why would you want to film me getting ready for work and making my breakfast and, and all that stuff in the morning? And, and then he's like, well, this movie's about you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, no, I was totally surprised when he told me he was doing that. Um, I was grateful because, you know, it's quite an honor to be able to be the face of our store. Um, I wish I could say I'm a one-woman show. I am not. Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful team of people that work for me. Um, one of my managers has been with me for over 10 years. I just love him and his family. And um, so, you know, I'm very blessed to be the face of the store, but it's definitely a team of us together. You know, it's interesting you say that because there were a lot of interviews, even before the movie uh, came out, where you and your team and your family, you were on Ellen, you were on all this media. What was the catalyst for the store going viral even before the last blockbuster was out of production? You know, I think um, when Australia closed and Mm -hmm. we became the last one in the world, I think that really pushed it to that whole next level for us. Because when we became the last one in America, it was really great. And we had the the block party and we had the beer um, made for the block party and stuff. And that was like super cool and, and fun. But I think when we became the last one in the world, is when it really went to that next level. Um, And suddenly, you know, we were getting calls from all over the world. I mean, I can't tell you how many interviews I've done in the UK. Um, You know, I had a a Netherlands TV show, a Chinese TV show. Um, I think we had a German TV show too, um, like news stations that actually came to our store and did um, reports with me. And it was just a whole nother level when it became the last one in the world. So it was... um, Really amazing, and again, we are so blessed and grateful. Love that. How's it been with COVID? I'm sure you guys had to lock down. Sounds like you're open now. How has how has the store yeah. managed to survive with the pandemic? Well, you know, we have the nostalgia piece behind us, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain too much because there are a lot of small businesses out there that did not have the advantage that we had um, with that. So. Um, you know, we've muddled through like we have every other um, thing that is that is rose up, you know, and, and kind of become a stumbling block for us. But we only closed for a couple of weeks. We are fortunate here in Oregon um, that we were not on that mandatory had to close list. We chose to close for a couple of weeks um, when it really hit last March. And we, you know, cleaned the store really well. Uh, we instituted a curbside service and, you know, really kind of took a step back and waited for everybody to really kind of understand that, hey, we need to social distance, we need to be wearing masks, and, and kind of waited for the community to really get ready for that before we reopened the store. Mm-hmm. And we were really happy and grateful that when people did start coming back in, that they were, you know, social distancing and all of that. But, I mean, you know, yeah. even in D.C., I'm sure that, you know, it was it was like two or three-week time frame. Then suddenly when you'd go to the grocery store, people were like stopping the things out, making sure nobody was coming. And you were all like really doing a good job of keeping your social distance and everybody kind of got it about two or three weeks in. And so we felt like it was a good time for us to, to uh, reopen the store. Um, but other than that, I mean, we took a hit just like everybody else, especially the fact that there's no movies coming out. You know, the theaters took a much bigger hit than we did. But, you know, that that really affects the store. Uh, things like that that people don't think about is if there's no movies coming to the theater, there's no movies coming out for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost one of um, our distributor that we had at the time that we were getting our movies from. Um, you know, they went, they couldn't uh, sustain business 
once COVID hit. So they closed down their distribution and, and we were getting about 60% of our movies from them and the rest of them I was buying like what you saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly we had nobody to get movies from. So I was like, oh my gosh, now what am I going to do? So then I was like, oh great. So here I was, you know, buying about, you know, 40, 50% of our movies. Now I'm buying all of our movies. And so that was a little bit of a, of a stare for a while. Um, we have since then done another distributor that can help us get some movies in the store, but I'm still buying, you know, a good chunk of them. Was that a process that started the going to Target and getting the movies? Was that a process that started even before sort of the blockbuster infrastructure and corporate uh, structure started to go away? Or is that purely a product of you guys being a franchisee of the name and Dish Network not really, and Dish, the company, not really having any involvement in maintaining what were the handful of blockbuster stores that were left at that point? Yeah, it was something we started before, um, you know, because we were a franchise um, prior to Dish buying Blockbuster. We did have a lot more freedom as far as getting our our movies. We did get a lot from Blockbuster, just like everyone else did. Mm -hmm. But we also um, bought a lot of our own movies. And and it was kind of a nice thing because we could really, you know, when I first started working here, we had four stores here in Bend. And it was amazing how much each store was different. I mean, all the stores would obviously rent the new releases every week. But we had one store that was really big on dramas and foreign movies. We had another store that was really big on horror movies. So we could really kind of critique each location to um, what the people needed in that area. And so that was something we kind of started early on. And there was a lot of times, too, when, you know, it, especially as DVDs have... Um, gone down in value and, and price, there was a lot of times I could go to Walmart or Target and buy the movie cheaper than I could get it through our distributor. And so it got to the point where, you know, as a small business, you have to start making those choices of, hey, if I can save $3 on a DVD when I'm buying, you know, 100 of them, that's huge. And that's a big savings for our company. And so that's kind of where that came about um, was, you know, trying to make those cuts as Netflix and Redbox and, and all the other, you know, services and, and options for people with home entertainment started really getting going. We had to start finding ways of saving those couple bucks here and there to keep ourselves alive. And that's kind of where that started. You know, I just, I wish there was a way for Blockbuster to come back on a national scale. I love that you guys are the last, the last store in existence, that nostalgia piece, but something the movie hits on is that community piece. You know, the algorithm doesn't yeah. know me, but my memory of, God, it feels like a lifetime ago, of going with my grandmother. I had, I'd have to stay with my grandmother in the summer because both my parents worked. And so whenever I would yeah. stay over, we would make a trip of it to go to the local blockbuster, get a couple of movies for the weekend. And then when my grandfather, who never wanted to watch anything but his Westerns, would go to bed, we would pop the movie on, pop the popcorn we bought or, or get the cookie dough uh, cookie dough bites out of the freezer that we got from Blockbuster and, and put that movie on. And we made that decision together, going and, and holding these things. And I'm just, I'm just watching this and I'm thinking, wow, that physical is becoming a relic. And that connection, too, that ability to say, hey, I'm looking for a, a thriller with a twist. What do you got? An algorithm doesn't know any of that. No. And, you know, and that's exactly um, 
what people say to me every day when they come in is, you know, they really miss that social interaction and they miss that, um, that human connection. And I think we were kind of starting to get to the point where we were missing it before COVID. And now that we've all been isolated and been at home and, and stuck in front of our TVs with our Netflix and whatnot, I think everybody is really, really missing that. Um, and it is sad that there's not more places to go out um, and get that experience. You know, I got to tell you a story here for a minute. I, I typically try not to take up any of the mic time with my guests, but this is a story I wanted to tell you as kind of the matron of the last blockbuster. I work with a gentleman who was uh, inside the Barney the Dinosaur suit for 22 years. I oh. help him with his <laughs> podcast. I do a lot of stuff. People who listen to this show, they know about him. He's been a guest. I talk about his show. One element of the of the story of Barney the Dinosaur is... It kind of became a hit because of Blockbuster. Blockbuster National denied uh, Cheryl Leach, who was the creator, distribution. So she went store to store to store to store to the franchisees uh, and got the early Barney in the Backyard Gang videotapes, which came before the TV show and all the live tours. It was the first product they put out as a small business, a small entertainment company. And she got in most of the Blockbusters across the country by going store to store to store to store. Do you have any experience of, of maybe a small indie Oregon filmmaker coming to you and going, do you want to carry this film? Do you, can I, can I get in here to be rented? Did that ever happen in your region? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it happens a lot now. Um, I, you know, speaking to somebody earlier about some indie um, movies and some local stuff and, and we try really hard. I mean, Heck, if we can do anything good with our all this publicity and stuff, we've got to we've got to be able to help other people who are you know getting started and other small businesses. And like I said earlier, that's one of the things we're super um, proud of the fact that we get all of our merchandise on our website is all made here locally and and through bend companies and whatnot. But small filmmakers are are wonderful, and you know you you see in the movie uh, Kevin Smith talking and and Jamie Kennedy talking about how his first job you know, that really allowed him to stay in Hollywood was doing a blockbuster commercial. I mean, what a better, or I, I don't even know the word to say, but it feels so good when these people call me and say, hey, I've got this great movie that I've made myself. I've, you know, my blood, sweat, and tears are in this movie. Uh, I have a super low budget, but I would love to send you a couple of copies to put on your shelf. I love that. And I get those kind of phone calls weekly. And as much as I can, I try to get those movies out of my shelf and, and see what happens. And if somebody, you know, if nothing else, I'm taking a picture and sending it to them so that they can see that their movie actually is on the shelf. And, and uh, people absolutely love, you know, knowing that they're able to be in the store. And, and I, um, I'm grateful to be able to give them that opportunity. I love that. Now, can people see you every day or do you do the Rick Harrison uh, Pawn <laughs> Stars thing where because of the popularity of this movie, you have to hide now? <laughs> in the back office that's so funny so here's the thing the first first weekend i was i was working the counter i was absolutely out there and it was almost um comical the kids were like i don't even know why you're here because so many people wanted to take selfies that i was having a hard time taking selfies answering the phone checking out customers um but no right at the moment i'm so buried in online orders that we actually had to take over an empty space in the back of the building that we have our store in um, so we could spread out and get get the orders going out. Um, and so I haven't been in the store as much. 
um, the phones were ringing so off the hook that the kids had started kind of um, not really screening my calls, but trying to kind of help with the calls yeah. because it was to the point where I was on the phone so much I couldn't get anything done. And, and it just made me laugh. I mean, I appreciate it. I want to talk to as many people as I can, but I still have to do my job or the last blockbuster isn't going to be there. <laughs> so I'm like, I still have to go, you know, do part numbers and do all the things that I'm supposed to do. So, um, no, I, I've definitely been hiding out a little bit more um, than I would normally do. Um, but, uh, but I still try to talk to as many people as I can. Well, I love that. I love when a movie, it, it's this amazing kismet, a movie about the last of its kind movie store that a generation that my generation grew up with is helping the, the very thing that it, it that it's, the that it tells the story of and i think that is so rare in documentary film um that it you get this such positive reaction because you know thank god they didn't tiger king you you know and it's like oh no we're gonna tell this positive story (laughs) and then it's like this crazy murder mystery at the blockbuster no it's a force for good and i absolutely love that brings me to my second to last question for you this is the thing First of all, before I get to the second last question, people, they want to make the online orders for the last Blockbuster uh, custom items that you do. What is the current wait time? I want to make sure we get that in. What is the current wait um, time that you're working we on? Are about two weeks, we are about two weeks behind. Okay. Um, people just have to remember that, like I said, everything is ordered. Um, everything is made in town or through a bank company. So everybody's hustling to get as merchandise as best they can. You know, all of our T-shirts are, are actually printed by a, a father and son in a little thousand square foot building. So they're working really hard. Um, but yeah, we're about two weeks behind. Um, everything is processed by one of us employees in the store. So um, you know it's going to come with lots of love, but it is going to take a little bit of time. Great. Good to have that out there. Now, this is the this is the thing I'm dying to know, because this is kind of the cliffhanger the movie leaves on, and I think you know where I'm going with this. The name. <laughs> Year-to-year renewal. But even yep. before the movie, the reaction to, oh, the last blockbuster in the world, all of that international media, I, I, I'm going to say it so you don't have to, but I think Dish would shoot themselves in the foot to take that name away from you anytime soon. So let me thread the needle on this question. Have you gotten any assurances that the license to the blockbuster name is not something you have to worry about in the near future? I haven't got the, the um, assurance, but I don't have to worry. Um, we still have to sign it every year, so um, but they have not um, given me any pushback. As long as we're following the rules and you know we're upholding our licensing agreement, mm-hmm. I don't foresee it being an issue. Um, I actually had somebody who knows Charlie, the um, CEO of Dish, who reached out and said, "Hey, he's a friend of mine. If you have any problems, you let me know, and I'll call him." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay, that's super sweet. Um, but no, you know, Dish in the movie, we had to have a little bit of drama in there, and and we definitely were. It was our fourth and final agreement um, that we had, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do?" That that was legit. Like, I I definitely had a pause and went, "Oh my gosh, you know, is there a chance that they wouldn't let us renew it?" But I have not. Um, once we got through that, I have not had anything but positivity um, from them. I don't foresee it being an issue whatsoever. Um, I think they would definitely have some picketing <laughs> if they <laughs> if they tried to take it away from us at this point. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to again abide by our licensing agreement and and do our our due diligence as well. Certainly. 
And my last question for you, and it's a doozy. You you are the mother <laughs> of the Blockbuster store, but I want to ask, how does it feel to be truly, right now in this moment, the matron of nostalgia? I mean, because that's what you are. It is um, it is really bizarre. I, my husband and I were talking last night because, you know, I went home and I was complaining my feet were hurting and I, you know, put on my pajamas and, and took off my makeup and threw my hair in a ponytail and I started making beanies. And I'm like looking around going, I cannot believe all these people think that I'm so cool. If they could only see me right now, they would realize just how much of a grandmother I am and how I'm like sitting here. And at the point that time I was watching Downton Abbey rerun and I'm like making beanies. And I'm like, these people would think I'm not the most boring person in the whole world if they really knew me. Um, so it, it's just a really surreal feeling. Um it, it makes me um, smile with pride every time I walk in the door and realize all this hard work that my team and I have put into this store for the years, you know, and all the people that have come and gone working for me and been part of our family, you know, it, it feels just so wonderful to know how many people get to see the fruit of our labor kind of a thing. And I am, again, just am so incredibly grateful and I feel so blessed to be the face of the store um, I don't know, as long as I just don't ever want it to change anything, you know, I don't want it to be grow into this monster thing that we can't still do our job every day and still help customers. And I can't still have those wonderful conversations with, you know, a, a mom and dad who met and had their first date at Blockbuster. And now they're bringing their kids in. So their kids understand what they, what they did when, you know, back in the nineties before we had all the streaming and stuff. And I just hope that never changes. Well, I hope so, too. And thank you so much for spending a half hour with me to tell your story, Sandy. This was oh, yeah. brought me back down uh, memory lane on a few things. So thank you very much. Oh, and thank you again for thinking of us and, and letting me come on your program. So I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful evening. I'm telling you, there will be a mob of angry movie lovers if ever Blockbuster were to deny a license to that franchise for the name. Sandy, my gosh, thank you very much for your time. was such a pleasure. Last Blockbuster on Netflix right now, and you can visit the Last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, open now, and you can visit their website linked at the show notes on talkfor2.com. That is it for us today. Remember, you can always check out Talk for Two. Dot com for more. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Talk for Two. Instagram on uh, it's at Talk for Two Pod on Instagram. Write to me at Talk for Two Cast at gmail.com. That's T A L K F O R T W O C A S T at gmail.com. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.